we're joined uh, by Austin Moore, who is a strategic analyst at VMware in Palo Alto and an admissions coach at Eliadmit. He recently graduated magna cum laude from the Ohio Wesleyan University, where he double majored in economics and politics and government, and also won the Norman Taylor Award for graduating with the highest GPA in the economics department. Welcome, Austin. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, yeah, so I think the people here kind of like already know me to some extent. Uh, but just as a recap, uh, my name is Aaron Zer, I'm co-founder at Early Admit and I'm head of products. So just diving right into the conversation, um, Austin, if you know, if I may, um, you know, I'm curious about like how you found out about the deferred MBA programs. Like what was your process of, you know, discovering these, you know, these things that sometimes might be obscure? So what's interesting for me is I discovered during my junior year, uh, based off of just Google, uh, the Harvard Summer Venture and Management Program. And I was able to spend a week at Harvard Business School uh, the summer after my junior year. And that's how I learned about 2 plus 2. And after learning about 2 plus 2's deferred MBA program, I just uh, researched other deferred admission programs and figured, well, if I uh, throw my hat in the uh, the bucket, you know, I should get into one of these schools. <laughs> but yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, exposure to Harvard SVMP is what made me more interested in pursuing an MBA and applying uh, via deferred admissions opportunities. Yeah, um, and I think I'm also I'm curious about um, Harvard SVMP, right? Because like, I think it's it's also a very selective pro program from you know what Correct. I've heard. Um, so like to what extent did, you know, your experience there kind of prepare you for the application process itself? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that Harvard SVMP prepared me for the application process. What it did was expose me to Harvard and it exposed me to an MBA. Uh, but I do believe that attending SVMP gave me the confidence to believe that I can too be a student at Harvard or a top MBA program. So what it did was it gave me confidence in knowing that, hey, I could see myself here and, and be here as well. Um, plus, the admissions officers encouraged many of us to apply. Right. Awesome. Um, I, I, and and I think in, in, in a process like this, you know, deciding to apply for deferred MBA programs, like why did you decide to apply, you know, now? you know, a couple of years in advance rather right. than just like waiting for the regular uh, process? I, one, uh, you know, it was middle of COVID and I didn't have much else to do. <laughs> but two, <laughs> I, I figured that these were no risk ways of getting in. If I had mm -hmm. been rejected everywhere, I'd still apply in, you know, a few years down the road and, and, and I wouldn't have had, had lost anything. So I figured that there was nothing to lose by applying early, maybe a few hundred dollars. But um, other than those application fees, most people don't apply until they've gotten work experience anyways. And the only difference between you and those people, if you apply later on, is that you'd have been through the process already. So I didn't feel as if I would be losing anything. So I figured that because there wasn't much loss or risk involved, it was worth giving it a shot to all of these places. Right. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's an understatement um, to say that you are successful in your applications. Um, 
because you know, you know like he got into Harvard, Wharton, MIT, Sloan, Kellogg, and Yale. Right. That's a ton of schools. Right. Um, wait, so like, how many schools did you apply to? Do you apply to just you know like just these five? I think I applied to six. The only school I did not, I, I did not receive admission to was Columbia. Um, mm-hmm. But everywhere else, I received admission to uh, of the schools that I applied to. Wow, uh, and and you know, I think early in this conversation, you had said something about you know casting a wider net. But like, I think beyond, I guess, like that um, orientation, like, was there like any process they used to like decide which particular schools to apply to or which ones to not apply to? I applied to schools in which I thought I can see myself. I, 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 Harvard was my first choice, but I applied to schools with deferred programs that I thought I would be a fit for. And, you know, I wouldn't really say that I had a very special method. I think what a lot of people should realize is that most of these uh, schools care about your story and, and your personal brand and what you've done. And therefore, um, you know, my application was consistent across the board. I talked about my story, my accomplishments, my impacts. I don't feel as if there were applications in which I had changed my uh, story or my own brand. I, I pretty much, you know, just talked about myself um, in the same way across all of the different applications. Of course, adjusting to the questions that they specifically ask. But I think yeah. what's most important is that people have their own brand and talk about their accomplishments, their impacts, because at the end of the day, these uh, admissions officers, they want to know you as a person more than anything. And mm. I I was 100% myself. I, I didn't try to use extremely big jargon in my essays to impress. I, I was totally myself. <laughs> there were no big words in my essay. Um, and I think that, you know, that sincerity... Um, you know, it is best. It's best to provide that sincerity, and whether you're admitted or not, you would have shown that who you are, and that's what people want to see. So, consistency mm-hmm. across the board, and in, in being authentic, sincere, and trying to, um, you know, showcase my strengths and my impact. Mm. Amazing. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you didn't get into uh, Columbia. Like that was the only school that you didn't get correct um, admission from. So with Columbia, was there anything that you feel like you did wrong or, you know, you could have done uh, better like with the application? Not necessarily. I, you know, I, I put my best forward. I think that, you know, different schools are looking for different things, looking for different characteristics. Maybe the admissions officers didn't feel I'd be a best fit or maybe they felt that other people would be a better fit. And, you know, that just comes with the process. You know, um, it's very rare that people, you know, get a 10, make 10 out of 10 shots. Uh, yeah. So I think that it may have been just a matter of fit. It may have been a matter of, you know, the admissions officers may have been looking for something that mm-hmm. um, I didn't provide or, or showcase as well. So it that, that that's pretty much just comes with the territory. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. Um, and... Right. So, like, I think with the six applications that you put together. Correct. That's a lot of time. How, how you know, how do you, like, manage um, your time to be able to submit, you know, all these applications, five of which were successful? Well, I monitored the deadlines, of course, and I was very lucky because I applied at a time when many schools extended their deadlines. 
because mm-hmm. of COVID. So had some of these places not extended their deadlines, I may not have been prepared. But in regard to timing, I am a world-class procrastinator. And I <laughs> will not even sugarcoat the fact that I procrastinated on a lot of my applications. But mm-hmm. I don't think that my procrastination meant that I you know, submitted any incomplete or application because again i was talking about my story and every essay for every application if you know your story you know your strengths you know your accomplishments you can tailor your responses to those questions and you know if you're mm-hmm. able to write um coherently you know it, it i i think that a person if a person were to focus on the essays alone they can write the essays in a reasonably short period of time if they know what they're going to talk about uh, mm-hmm. If they don't know what they're going to talk about, uh, that's where, you know, you may not want to procrastinate. You may want to take more time to focus on it. But I, you know, I'd look through all the essay questions prior to writing them for all of the different applications. And I had an idea of what I was going to talk about for each school. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the only strategy in that sense was kind of knowing my story and being able to tailor it uh, via different applications but i i i honestly think i i i was able to focus on all of the applications um with less than a month um to go simply because i you know i i had a consistent story i just wrote the essays um you know proofread the essays and then filling out all of the information on the application like your name school etc that that takes Mm -hmm. essentially no time yeah and and like I think with you know like with the applications um, themselves, one I think one big discouraging um, factor um, for like a, you know for sending out a lot of like applications is you know application fees because like these prices are expensive for different right. um, cohorts of people, right? right. Um, so like, did you have to pay application fees for all six schools? If you didn't, like, how like, did you get a waivers? Was there a strategy around how to get a waivers? I would say that about half of the schools I applied to had no fee at all. Uh, I may, uh, may, maybe it's different now, but I, I believe I, I didn't have to pay a fee for MIT or, or Kellogg. Uh, and, and I think that was just across the board for the early, I mean, deferred admits. They, they, they didn't charge a fee. I don't know if that's changed. Uh, so that helped. And I know that, you know, other schools I applied to, like Harvard and Morton, uh, they allowed fee waivers um and you know you let them know in enough time you can you can request fee waiver again i am a procrastinator so i i did a lot of my work uh beyond the deadline of being able to request a fee waiver so i was stuck having to pay the the price which you know is fine that there are ups and downs of being a procrastinator but i i believe that if a person is having significant financial hardship when it comes to paying for the applications many of these places will work with you because they want to read your application they want you to give it a shot they don't want your finances especially you know at a young age you know applying deferred admit to to prevent you from applying so you mm-hmm. can just reach out to people let them know your situation reach out to the admissions offices and i'm confident that they will be very understanding because they want to you to succeed and part of the deferred admissions process is to recruit people from all different socioeconomic statuses and backgrounds yeah. and they understand that having very stringent you know, fee and, and, and high fees and, and not being yielding on the price of their application can really uh, dissuade people from applying. So I think it, mm-hmm. it should be fairly simple to, to get a fee waiver if you prove that you need one. Right. 
and and I think with the application, right? So like like so with the content of the application itself, um, there's so many different components, you know that right. you know that you know that go into this application. Just putting together sim you know like a single application is intense, right? right? Um, so. What components of the application did you spend the most time on? So was it I don't know, like your t your you know your tests, your essay, um, like I don't know, like what parts um you know did you spend the most time on? I would say I spent uh, the most time preparing for the tests and writing the essays. Um, I you know I I had a pretty standard resume that I felt would be applicable to all the schools. Um. And filling out, you know, the entry boxes within the application wasn't too challenging. Uh, what also is time consuming is determining who your recommenders will be and waiting on mm -hmm. them to submit their recommendations because you want to ensure that they submit their recommendations prior to the deadline. Uh, but mm -hmm. for me personally, the essays and preparing for the tests were probably the two most time consuming components of the application. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I, and I think... Looking at the fact that, you know, you were successful, um, you know, like with the, um, um, you know, with your applications, um, I don't know if you can identify or just like as, you know, as a wild guess, what you think the silver bullet was in your profile, your story that, you know, helped you get into all these top schools? I think it was just me being me talking about, you know, my story the setbacks I may have faced, the disadvantages I may have had, and yeah. and may have overcome, and, and, and why that made me who I was, and then talking about why I didn't let, you know, whatever setbacks or disadvantages stop me from accomplishing, you know, my goals or stop me from being impactful in respective clubs, organizations. And, uh, I think that it's really just me, and I think that that's going to be the silver bullet to every application is a person's story, a person being themselves, uh, and a person being able to coherently and effectively communicate, uh, you know, their story and their brand. There, there, there's no magical formula. There's no magic key. Uh, mm -hmm. but the only, the only key is uh, a person being themselves and there's no guarantee that that key will open the door. Uh, but yeah, I think sure. that was the silver bullet. Yeah. But then like, I think now I'm also curious because, um, I think beyond your story, there is also like the, you know, conversation around fit, right? So being able to. Uh, come across as like a fit for these different schools and you know looking at the schools that you applied to each of these schools are different in their own way in terms of like the curriculum the culture the kinds of students you'd find Correct. in these schools but then you're able to get into all these schools despite being consistent with your story so is there you know like with the interview itself i think that's a component i'm more curious right. about at this point did you have to adapt your story to like the persona of like these schools like, how were you able to stay consistent with the same story, but then, like, resonate across, you know, these different kinds of programs? I will not say that I had to adapt my story because adapting, you know, kind of sounds like it's changing your story. But I would mm -hmm. say that every school, that they're, they're very similar. There's a big similarity among all these schools. They want leaders. They want self-starters. Uh, some schools, you know, like MIT may be more technical, some more financial, like what, but they want innovators, they want self-starters, um, and they want leaders. 
And what I will say is that, you know, my story was applicable across all those different boards. But what I do recommend doing is looking at each school's mission before mm-hmm. applying or determining if you're going to apply. Uh, look at each school's mission and see if your long term goals or your personality aligns well with that school's mission. It may. It may not. And I think understanding the school's mission and the school's history and, you know, many of them have a section saying what we're looking for. Understanding if you fit what they say they're looking for uh, prior to applying or prior to an interview, if, you know, you're fortunate to receive an interview, uh, can be important because then you're aware of the school's uh, mission and goals and and what they're looking for. And maybe you're aware of, you know, some of the issues that are occurring at that school and how Mm -hmm. you would fit in. So be aware of each school's purpose, mission, and goals prior to applying and and then prior to interviewing as well. Right. And I think early on you mentioned that, you know, one component of the application that you spent the most time on uh, was, you know, like the tests. Um, so, so, you know, so I'm wondering what extent, um, you know, your test score or your GPA, you know, helped you to be successful at, you know, all these schools that you got admitted to. I really do not believe that test scores will make or break a candidate. Uh, okay. I, I really do not believe that. And in my experience, that couldn't have been the case. So I believe that, you know, they are probably, and and this is just in my experience and in my opinion, I believe that they may be foundational. You want to demonstrate your ability to do the work. But after Mm -hmm. uh, an individual has demonstrated their ability to do the work, uh, it can, you know, it's all about your your brand, your accomplishments, your, and and how you can contribute to the campus community. Uh, You know, many Students with high, extremely high test scores aren't admitted. Many students students with below yeah. average test scores are admitted. And I believe that they're, they're really just used to determine your academic abilities to an extent. You know, some people have very high GPAs but low test scores. There may be an explanation and vice versa. Uh, but once you're able to demonstrate your competence, your academic competence, uh, then it's much more about your story and your personal branding. And, I, and I'm and i not trying to say that people spend too much time focusing on those two components because it is, you know, academia, and you do want to demonstrate an ability to perform well academically. So mm-hmm. you don't want to shortchange those components. But after you you have, you know, completed those components, you both may be stellar, one may not, both may not be. Uh, but once you demonstrate your competence, it's really going to be more about you. And you, you should focus more time on you and your personal branding and, and communicating why you would contribute to the admissions office. Cool. So the question that I have now is uh, around how you went about picking the school to go to. Um, so you mentioned that Harvard was your top choice. Why, like, why was that in the case? Like, why Harvard? You know, one, I was kind of spoiled because I did spend that week in Harvard uh, the summer after my junior year, and I was able to experience life there in the case study method as part of the summer venture management program. But two, I consider myself to be a generalist, and mm-hmm. and Harvard Business School was a great place for generalists uh, with their general management education, 
And I also, you know, fell in love with the case study method. And I felt that the case study method was the best way to learn. And Harvard Business School is known for the case study method. Every other school I applied to, you know, they may use case studies, but, you know, they may also use a lot of problem sets. It's, it's not the core of their academic curriculum. And some people would prefer that. Some people don't like the, the case study method as much. Some people don't think it's as effective. For my long-term goals, I felt it was effective because, again, I am a generalist. Uh, so the the campus environment, but most importantly, the case study method is why I thought that Harvard Business School uh, was the best place to me. Right. Um, and then my final, final um, question is um, around um, early admit. Right. right. So, you know, you're currently um, an admissions coach at Early Admits, which I'm sure takes some fraction of your time. So, like, why did you um, decide like, to join the team and like dedicate a couple of hours of your time during the week towards doing the work that we do? Yeah. Well, I believe that, you know, people, when they're undergoing, you know, the admissions process, it can be a very stressful process. I think it can be very relieving to have someone look over your application or give you advice. And also, we have to understand that a lot of people who may come from lower socioeconomic statuses or, you know, minority backgrounds may not know someone with a Harvard MBA or who got into Wharton. So I believe that early admit provides kind of that resource for people who may not have access to individuals who've been admitted to these places. So it, it's a low cost way to receive assistance on your application or be given advice or feedback. And you're being, um, you're, you're given advice by people who've actually uh, succeeded in the process. But I think that because we're, we're focused on helping students who are younger and may not uh, come from uh, you know, traditional backgrounds, uh, I think that that motivates me to want to help those who who are going through such a stressful time in their lives because there is it is a stressful process. Yeah, it 100% is. I can, def I can definitely relate to that. Um, then if I can sneak in one final, final, yeah. final question. Um, uh, so I think that would be um, what would your advice be to, you know, students who might be listening and are thinking about um, applying to these kinds of programs or are currently applying to these programs? If there's one thing that you'd want them to keep in mind, it could be like a word of encouragement. It could be um, advice. It could be you know, general application um, um, advice or just like a thoughts that you want to leave them with. What would that be? Be yourself. Mm. Those okay. words, be yourself. Um, I think that is important. Don't try to put on facades. Don't try to say what you think people want to hear. Be yourself. Be confident in yourself. And be happy with yourself. Because ultimately, that's what admissions officers want to see. Uh, they, they want diversity. Uh, they want people who bring something to the table. And there is no one type of student. There's no one type of Harvard student. There's no one type of Wharton student. There's no one type of MIT student. So be yourself. Be yourself and the chips will land where they're supposed to. Amazing. Thank you so much 
for thank letting you. us advise. And thank you so, so much for joining us today, Austin. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us for the first season of the Early Admin Podcast. With this, we've come to the end. Stay tuned for the second season, which comes out in a few months. We will announce the host of the second season in a few weeks, and I'll see you there.